Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Hello, this is uh, FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. My name is Lanslo Andor, I'm the Secretary General of uh, FEPS, and today I have the pleasure to speak with Massimiliano Mascherini, who is Head of Unit for Social Policy at Eurofound, which is an EU agency located in Dublin, but now Massi is uh, speaking with us from Toscany, from Italy, where he originally comes from. The reason uh, we thought it would be just the best time to call each other, because Eurofound completed a major study which is looking at living and working conditions under the COVID crisis, how this has changed, how fast this is changing, and how people perceive the impact of the COVID crisis on living and working conditions. Uh, Massey, welcome to uh, the FEPS talks. And um, let me ask um, the first uh, question about all these numbers, because you are presenting uh, a large amount of numbers. Do these numbers reveal a dramatic fall in economic activity and resulting collapse of well-being in Europe. Hello, Laszlo. Good morning. Yes, carried out at Eurofound uh, this uh, large-scale online survey uh, in order to capture the mid- immediate uh, impact uh, of uh, the COVID crisis on uh, living and working uh, condition of Europeans. We launched the survey the 9th of April, and in uh, in uh, 21 days, uh, we collected 85,000 responses. And uh, this can be consider, yes, the, the first uh, impact of the COVID crisis uh, on Europe. The figures uh, that that arrives, uh, uh, derived from the survey and uh, that refer to the month of April 2020 are pretty striking and show an uh, European Union uh, that uh, is uh, depressed, that felt uh, that has lost uh, optimism toward the future with many people that have lost uh, their jobs, that have reduced uh, tremendously their working uh, time, that is scared about uh, losing their job uh, in the near future, and uh, uh, that is very, very concerned regarding uh, their present and their future financial uh, situation. And all of these uh, also uh, completed, fortunately, with a population that has lost uh, trust in their institutions, with uh, the trust of the European Union that... uh, fall behind the trust of national government uh, with both levels that are very, very low and uh, uh, much lower than the trust the population has in police and in the healthcare system that are two of the institutions that played a, a crucial role in this crisis. So this is a general picture. The economic impact of the crisis uh, is uh, is huge. What we recorded is that uh, the 5% of the respondents at the European level has claimed to have lost already their job permanently in the month of April, and a larger part uh, has claimed to have lost their job temporarily. So these are huge, huge numbers, actually. Much more than what was, in some sense, forecasted at the beginning of the crisis in in March. That was, uh, let's say, the, the tip of the iceberg. The crisis uh, developed uh, in, in the month of April in a much deeper way 
and the number of people that have lost their job is massive. So there are a lot of concern towards the impact of this in the future. And the immediate impact, as you highlighted, is a significant rise of unemployment. Does this mean that together with the rise of unemployment, there is an increasing risk of poverty, the risk of uh, losing homes, uh, and um, you also pay attention to mental well-being, for example, which I think is a very interesting feature of uh, this study. Do you see a major impact on that too? Yes, absolutely. The unemployed were the population that uh, at the moment were hit uh, hit the most actually by the crisis and their level of concerns uh, about the financial situation is very, very, is very, very high. And one of the questions that we had was, for example, the ability of uh, the respondent to go on uh, without income actually. And uh, a very large part in general general, over uh, half of the respondents said that they are unable to maintain their standard of living for more than three months without an income. And uh, much more were those with the disease split by those that claim to not have savings and those that have savings that can cover only three months. But uh, the percentage of uh, in these unemployed was uh, basically above 70%. So they have been hit very, very hard uh, by by the crisis, and uh, there is uh, a lot of concerns uh, among them about their their financial future. Actually, this also results uh, in the mental uh, health indicators that you have mentioned uh, earlier. They, in general, basically what we saw that the level of uh, mental health uh, well-being indicators, as those recorded by, for example, by the WHO are uh, very low for uh, a lot uh, of countries, actually. But uh, among the the various group, uh, the one of unemployed is the one that has a lowest uh, mental health. Uh, Mm -hmm. About this, actually, I would like also to add another thing. And these are, for example, the feeling of depression and the loneliness. These are for these two indicators, the, the share of the population that is more affected, that felt more lon- lonely and, and felt to be more depressed is the population of young people. The lockdown measures probably has a hit uh, all the social life of young people that could not uh, go out and socialize as, uh, as previously. Uh, and so this lack of, of uh, social networking, of, of physical social networking and, and connection has really uh, doubled their levels of uh, feeling depressed uh, and and feeling low. And uh, regarding uh, those people that has lost job, the first analysis reveals that, of course, again, as in the previous crisis, uh, young people uh, seems to be uh, those who have been uh, hit harder than than the rest of the population. Uh, mm-hmm. This also probably because uh, the first sectors that suffered this uh, immediate shutdown were the leisure sectors, where the population of young people working at that is in some sense overrepresented, as well as the sectors of uh, tourism. And if I may say, in order to conclude, actually, uh, the main differences with the, the previous crisis, uh, one of the differences between the previous crisis of 2008 is this, actually, that uh, this crisis uh, was uh, an overnight shutdown of the economic engine of, uh, of Europe, but also of the world, with some sectors that has been totally annihilated in matters of a couple of weeks, and uh, they will be closed for months, for years, we don't know. So, 
this is a this is a really the huge difference because this time was not a gradually but it was just a, a, a huge shutdown caused by an a, a exogenous agent uh, that uh, cannot uh, really be uh, uh, fought with economic policies uh, is an exogenous agent on which we have to live and uh, try to react, but it will be then uh, difficult then uh, to reopen sectors until uh, these exogenous agents are not gone. But would you say that a lot of people, especially in southern European countries, fear that the previous crisis experience would be uh, repeated, when um, in fact there was very little practical solidarity in the European Union and in the initial phase of this COVID crisis there was also a great outcry for solidarity exactly in in Italy where you are now today yes i think that the first phase on how this crisis was was dealt boosted a lot of skepticism regarding the european union project in several member states and probably this is the result of the very low level of trust in the European Union that we record. The, the lack of coordinated uh, of coordinated answer in the first phases of the crisis uh, has result uh, the impression, uh, the perception among the population, especially of, of the population of the southern member states, uh, that the union lack totally solidarity. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, builds uh, on the top uh, of the previous scar of the 2008 crisis uh, where the same feeling uh, was uh, then perceived by the South Mediterranean, by the South member states. Uh, we can recall the, the words of uh, President Costa of Portugal when he defined uh, disgusting uh, some of the of the comments uh, within the, the council actually. And the, the, lack, uh, the perceived lack of solidarity within, within member states was was very striking. Uh, I think that this has created uh, a lot of damages on the image of uh, the, the European Union project, which, which was seen as mainly economic by several parts of the population in South member states. And, you know, Laszlo, when, when uh, these damages are created, then it's difficult to fix them. Because mm-hmm. now, then, in the weeks that followed the uh, lack of coordination in the councils, a lot of tools uh, has been put in place. The economic sponsors uh, now is there. We have the, the Sure tour of tool. Uh, as well a tool in support of businesses, uh, relaxation of some of financial constraints. But uh, among the population, those comments are those who remain. And uh, those impressions, it, it will take a long time uh, in order to be changed. This is very, is, is, is very unfortunate, I would say. And probably we, sh- we should think about how we communicate uh, the European Union project and all the efforts done to the population in order to not give uh, the wrong impression in order to do not uh, give the impression that solidarity is not there because then the consequences uh, will be will be strong because I think to the to the previous crisis and the huge divergence that these uh, that asymmetric crisis ignited among the member states is uh, quite uh, dangerous to think that similar patterns are ignited also with this crisis because uh, when uh, the population see all these all growing differences among the working and living condition in the various member states then if uh, they have no impression that is, there is a solidarity common value shared as a part of member of the union uh, people will start to wonder if being in the European Union is a win-win situation for everybody. And if they feel that this is not the case, then disruptive patterns can start. And this is very dangerous for, for the future of the Union.
Well, very interestingly, this analysis um, uh, comes from mainly southern European countries and the strong political messages which you were referring to also come mainly from the south. Interestingly, what your data shows is that in, it's, it's the countries of the east where people's trust in the healthcare system is the weakest. So if I look at the uh, cross-country data you present about trust in the healthcare systems, then mm-hmm. um, very clearly the the bottom of the league is Hungary, Bulgaria, Poland, Romania, Slovakia, Latvia, and then a few older member states uh, come. So there is clearly an east-west divide on um, health capacities and the trust in the healthcare systems. What do you think uh, is behind this and what could the European Union do? Yes, that uh, was a, a striking uh, result as well, uh, to see that uh, there is this, uh, this huge uh, east-west uh, divided uh, still in, in the healthcare. Uh, probably we could link this also on uh, the debate on convergence and divergence, actually. Although healthcare was, was not a matter of, of analysis in the work that we did on convergence-divergence, but uh, probably these uh, also reveal the need uh, of uh, further development in Eastern member states. Sometimes we talk a lot uh, regarding convergence, diver- convergence of uh, Eastern countries toward the West. This is uh, absolutely true in reference uh, to uh, GDP per capita, for example, uh, where glorious step ahead has been performed in the previous, previous years, as well as in, in poverty, which has a strug- uh, an impressive improvement and a convergence patterns. But then in infrastructure, for example, we can see that uh, these, these uh, convergence patterns is not yet there and further investment are probably needed in order to achieve also convergence in this aspect. What the union could do to foster investment in this in this area and to take care uh, these investments are, are done and there is a kind of harmonization of levels, harmonization or a growth in the healthcare system in you know, the member states in order to ensure that, that uh, there are similar conditions. Um, your study also... Uh, includes um, an analysis of well-being. And um, I wonder if you could elaborate on this because um, well-being is a relatively recent uh, concept, um, but it might not be obvious uh, for everybody what it means and whether it is concrete enough. What is your take on on the potential in uh, uh, analyzing well-being and using it in policy? Yes. Well, you know, for a long time, the GDP GDP indicator was used uh, as a measure of the level of development of the countries as well as of the status of uh, of the country. Uh, and then, at the beginning of the, of the past, uh, or the beginning of, of this century, uh, there were the feeling uh, that uh, we should have gone, we should go beyond the P in order to capture all other dimensions that better describe the conditions of the member states uh, and of the of the individuals of the member states uh, or the or, sorry of the citizens of the member states in terms of uh, being comfortable healthy happiness uh, going beyond the uh, material dimension and the monetary dimension of the GDP. So basically, with well-being, uh, we tend to uh, measure different non-monetary issues, for example, like happiness, satisfaction, optimism, health, uh, 
in order to provide a more sound uh, picture of uh, the situation of the Europeans across uh, Europe in this in this demand. And uh, in order to do that, in the survey we have investigated several items uh, that are, for example, uh, life satisfaction, where we saw a decrease in comparison to other surveys run in the past, the mental health that we described that we described earlier, where we observe a, a decrease. Uh, and then, uh, for example, another indicator that we indicated was the optimism, optimism toward the futures. And also for, for these, we observed a huge, huge decrease of the level of optimism toward the futures that Europeans has recorded and the European has perceived. In the last in the last month of April, so a decrease, an overall decrease of, of the well-being of of the Europeans, uh, it was has been has been recorded in this uh, first crisis, and is uh, is a sudden change actually because it happened in a period of six weeks time. I see. I think uh, those uh, listeners who will look into uh, your study we'll find a lot of fascinating data also for cross-country comparison. And in a way, this is particularly interesting because in this crisis, in the last two months, there was a lot of talk about the symmetrical nature of the health crisis, that this is a crisis that affects uh, you know, all European countries. But I think if um, we look into your data and its presentation, what we will see is that the social consequences already are very, very asymmetrical. And Europe is very diverse from the point of view of, uh, you know, the capacities of um, fighting a health crisis and the capacities of mitigating the economic and social consequences on households, individuals and their families. Um, uh, my, my last question would be, therefore, you know, how, how Europe should uh, tackle better this uh, divergence, which is behind these data, because probably, uh, you know, with only national level, member state level safety nets and buffers, uh, the resilience of the European Union will always remain suboptimal and the whole architecture can only remain shaky if, you know, in any crisis, the only possibility is to go back to the national context. So what EU level buffers or safety nets would be needed in your view to stabilize living and working conditions more effectively. Yes, as uh, you very well pointed out, the first results of April uh, uh, shows uh, that this crisis is already asymmetric. And not just uh, because uh, the pandemic uh, has uh, hit more Italy and, uh, and, and Spain uh, than, uh, than other countries, but because the sectors that, are, that will be hit uh, the hardest, as for example, tourists, co constitute a huge, uh, very important item uh, in, uh, in the economy of, uh, of South Mediterranean countries, for example. So, the first forecast uh, that uh, that uh, we see uh, on the economic performances of member states in 2020, uh, as well as the better recovery in 2021, reveal this uh, with uh, again metric and asymmetric crisis in terms of economic performances, uh, as well as uh, the same uh, in uh, employment and in unemployment trends. Uh, the, the, the forecast that was were published yesterday of 2020, so an increase of unemployment, uh, especially in South Mediterranean countries again.
actually. So how to try to uh, to avoid this? Well, it seems uh, is uh, is also not to be linked. For example, it, it seems ages actually. It's just I thought that I had in this moment actually, but it seems ages. But I presented uh, our results of the work on convergence divergence at the, the employment committee of. Uh, uh, of the commission just two months ago, and it seems that ages have passed instead instead of two mm -hmm. months. And what we were saying there was that okay, we had a poor convergence. It's many of the indicators of the European Pillar of Social Rights, but be careful because employment, unemployment, and poverty indicators are very cyclical. So yeah, we had a poor convergence in good time, but huge downward divergence in bad time. So in order to fix these. Uh, what we were discussing uh, uh, at that time was, for example, the introduction of automatic stabilizers that would have support uh, member states uh, and the population. I think that uh, in order to uh, support, uh, in order to avoid the divergence, actually, uh, what is important, uh, in my opinion, is uh, that social protection systems are designed by putting the individual at the center. So uh, this concept of social investment is, is very, very important and providing support to all, it is, it is very, very important. What, uh, what, for example, we saw during the crisis that after a long debate on access to social protection to all uh, and uh, the, coverage, the uh, coverage of social protection for the self-employed, for example, it was a very long debate. And then during the crisis, a lot of member states have uh, covered the, and now included this population as well, for example, the self-employed under the umbrella. Of, uh, of social protection and and benefits and uh, are provided also to them and this is very important and the question is uh, is also what is uh, what of these measures that uh, there has been a lot of measures in order to provide the social protection to the population what of these measures are temporary and what will be permanent this will make a big difference in my opinion uh, but what is important uh, for for Europe, is that uh, people will remain at the center of the social protection action and uh, social protection is seen as a social investment because uh, only with this uh, we could uh, avoid that the increase uh, the expected increase of unemployment will be translated uh, in uh, an excess uh, an excess increase uh, in, in poverty uh, igniting all the spirals uh, of uh, decreasing demands and then the contamination among other men this is very very important and i think that uh, uh, we should keep on this on this road uh, and we should make access to social protection for all as, as a reality. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I think uh, these closing ideas about the importance of social protection, social investment and also automatic stabilizers um, are very much um, uh, in the uh, focus of um, our discussions uh, today, uh, how these function and how this could be boosted. I'm sure we will come back to these questions also uh, at a later stage. I understand that um, the study Massimiliano Mascherini was um, explaining to us um, is, is continuing and the final results and conclusions will be published in September. So I suppose we can come back to uh, the social consequences of the COVID crisis and uh, the related policies and the cross-country analysis also at a later stage. 
Well, thank you very much um, uh, for sharing uh, this fresh analysis with us uh, today. And I thank our listeners for being with us. You can hear more Fed Talks if you look at um, uh, the Twitter stream of uh, Fabs, but also our website. Uh, see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag Fabs Talks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.